With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my good friend Tony, a Spurs fan but a regular listener to this show. He lost his partner of many years. And a friend of mine, Lorraine, sadly last week. I'm thinking of you, Tony. I dedicate this to you. Keep your chin up, mate. All the best. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast with me and co-host Peter. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? Hi, Ralph. Good, thanks. Yeah, you? Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. And uh, there's four of us today because we have with us a regular contributor, Robin Woolley, back. Hi, Robin. And with the advent of pubs reopening in one form or another very soon, we're delighted to welcome back to the show, Brett Mendoza. How are you doing, Brett? Good. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Looking resplendent with your background, which is the pub um, yeah. interior by the bar. Looking you great. Pub looks like if you if you've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It's like, it's like seeing uh, two old friends instead of one. There, it's um, it's brilliant. And um, we'll we'll ask you more about the pub in detail later on when we um, when we come to part two. Um, in the first part, though, we're going to get straight on with review of the United game, which was the chance for us to win three in a row. Didn't quite happen, even though we did take the lead. In the end, a familiar-sounding narrative. Better in the first half, going ahead, conceding a lead, losing. <laughs> and in the case of Manchester United, some controversy as well. <laughs> we'll get into the nitty-gritty in a moment. Um, first of all, um, Brett, what did you make of the game? I presume you watched it live, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. It was good. It's weird. Like... Um... Until we scored, like we were a bit under the cosh, and I think we scored against the run of play, if I'm honest. But then after we scored, the rest of the first half, we were dominating and we rattled them. We were completely in control and it really good. And then obviously yeah. the second half, I don't even know if we had a shot. <laughs> story. But then there was the penalty controversy, was it, wasn't it? But other than that, I don't really think we threatened them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, um, I think you're right. We were probably under the cost a little bit to the goal in the, in the first half. And then from then on, we were dominant, weren't we? We seemed to be far the better side. We were controlling the midfield. We were keeping particularly Bruno quiet and, and Pogba as well, who doesn't always have a good game against us anyway, to be fair. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a well-taken goal as well. And, and I was going to put a bet on him because I thought he's bound to score against his old team. I didn't, but he did. Um, yeah, um, Danny Welbeck with the goal. Second attempt after a good save. Um from a good cross by, um, well, Morpé, wasn't it, actually, from yeah. some build-up work with Tross and Gross. Um, what did you make of the goal? Uh, yeah, it was good luck. I think we won it back in the midfield and then we we attacked really fast, which we don't, we're guilty of not doing. We've always been a bit pedestrian, but piled forward, amazing cross by Mopé. And then, uh, well, that was yeah. unlucky with the first header, but followed it up. And I love the fact that he celebrated against his old club <laughs> and uh, so yeah it was good like a really good goal yeah I mean all too often players don't do they there's this kind of I don't know it seems a bit misguided in most cases 
um, this reticence to celebrate goals against old teams. I mean, you can understand it if it's something like, um, for example, Lallana was at Liverpool for seven years. If he scored against Liverpool, fair enough, you kind of have a muted one or something like that. And certainly we're glad Glenn Murray didn't celebrate any goals for Palace against us on Julie. But yeah, I mean, well, back, it was a while ago, wasn't he? He was with them. So um, I, I was delighted to see that as well. Um, Robin, what, what did you make of the game? Um, first I have of all, to say that I, the rest I totally it. forgot that it was on, was the first thing. So I watched it. <laughs> um, I watched it sort of as live. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know the result or anything before I watched it. Um, oh. I watched it later in the evening. I had, I, it was on, I have it on a BT Sport like, series link. So I recorded it, I watched it. Um, it's one of those ones where actually, if you were watching, a, if, you were re, if you saw the scoreline, if you see the scoreline in a game, you see 2-1. Generally, you always go, you know, the, the scoreline in and of itself can't tell you the full story of the game. But actually, with a Brighton game, if you look at a 2-1 defeat, these days you go, well, we probably played really well in the first half and really needed to get a second goal and didn't. In the second half, ran out of steam, had a controversial thing go against us and then conceded a late goal to lose. I mean, that's like, <laughs> you, could, you could describe the game probably totally from the scoreline. Um, yeah. Yeah, played very well. I agree with Brett. I mean, I was a bit worried in the first five or ten minutes because United looked really sharp and we were just... I don't think we necessarily looked off the pace, but they just looked pretty slick. Um, great goal, great cross from, from Morpé. Reminded me of um, Mikael Smith's one in that game at Forest. Um, really good. So, and uh, like in terms of being unexpected, like you wouldn't expect him to be the one, you know, curling in a really inch-perfect cross. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought we played very well. We deserved the point, at least, as we say, in a lot of these games. But um, I think the point Andy Naylor made, which is quite interesting, is how close we ran Man United with basically our second choice. You know, losing, you know, without Lamptey, without March, no Webster in terms of our sort of no burn, you know, sort of makeshift defence. And they had pretty much their first choice attacking lineup, you know, beyond Martial being out injured. They had pretty much their first choice attacking lineup. Um, so I thought we did very well. Um, I don't think necessarily it's going to harm us in the way that some of those other late defeats probably did in terms of morale, because, you know, ultimately you don't go to Old Trafford and necessarily expect anything at our level. Um, so I think we'll be all right. I mean, the, the context is, I suppose, everybody else, Newcastle picked up a point, but you know, yeah. we got yeah, that's a loss right. elsewhere for other people. But we played very well, I think, was, is, the main, is the main thrust of it. Um, I mean, they were very lucky, you know, for the, for the Pogba kind of, <laughs> you know, mishit that, that becomes a perfect assist almost. Um, I don't think we were really undone, especially. It was just unfortunate. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it was, yeah, it's probably less harmful, as you said. It's, it, I'm not a big fan of the word free hit, really. It's, it's a little bit... A little bit off, but um, it did feel a bit like that because the other games had taken place earlier. Newcastle had got a little bit of a disappointing draw from our point of view, but not too bad, not too much harm done. More importantly, Fulham screwed up a lead and, and ended up losing 3-1 and in, in a Villa team that, as it turned out, didn't have a returning Jack Grealish either. So I think they're going to be pretty disappointed on several levels. They didn't do better from that game. We, we of course, knew all that going into the match, which certainly helps, I think. As you said, it is United and we are fractionally better off by proxy of one, point, one goal on the goal difference. Um, and we're a game further into the run-in. So I think we've slightly strengthened our case despite losing um and yeah I, 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 the fact that we can come away feeling disappointed from it peter I, I don't know if you'd agree um i would have taken a draw certainly before the game in this one i felt we deserved a draw by the time the final whistle blew we'll get into some refereeing decisions and things like that in a minute but uh, would you agree with that as an overall assessment of the game yeah i, I agree with pretty much every, everything everyone said i mean i don't think it was i don't think it's particularly bad to say we maybe tired a little in the second half but I also think they pushed us back because they are a team who are second in the Premier League and, you know, they've got better players than us. It's simply a fact. You know, people have been saying, oh, you know, why did we sit back second half? I don't think we sat back. I think we were pushed back, you know, mm -hmm. because they, their quality of players started to, to shine through. Even given that, if, if Maguire isn't all over, Welbeck, Welbeck taps in and we probably go 2-1 up, you know. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's frustrating that they've done it again against us as well. They basically got a reverie on side and somehow managed to beat us through, like, basically cheating. 
<laughs> Loving the wording. Don't hold back, Peter. <laughs> no, uh, but I think, I mean, if you look at, compare it to last year at Old Trafford, when we went there and we got, well, I mean, to be honest, we, we lost 3-1, but we should have been hammered. I mean, they missed like hmm. about four or five sitters. I think Rashford missed about two, at least two sitters on his own. And we could have lost about six or seven one and Potter went really went at them. And he's learned from the fact that we can't go toe to toe with United and try and compete with them in a similar sort of game that we need to play more sensibly. But actually, you know, he, you know, for compared to last season, we really turned it, you know, to really show we put in a really good performance. And although obviously we only did one goal better, actually, it was a completely different display. And I would say you were saying about it not being damaging, particularly I agree. And I think that the Fulham defeat for them was hugely damaging because Villa had been form. And because they were one nil up quite well into the second half and looked in control and dominating, really, yeah. it just it fell apart. I yeah. mean, it was an Albion style collapse, yeah. really. In a lot of respects, the last fifteen minutes like that is, I would have thought, hugely damaging for morale, especially seeing if their defence has been such a. They've been the main reason why they've done okay this season. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind it was also that they'd had a favourable decision go their way as well in terms of that penalty earlier in the match when I think it was. Uh, still nil-nil, I think, wasn't it, when Watkins had the penalty uh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. Mm. So, you know, they'd even had the benefit of the run of the run of the, of the luck in that sense as well. So, yeah, I, I do think it'll be damaging. The Fulham fan that we had on Emilio in, in the aftermath, admittedly it was pretty much straight after the aftermath of their result, said he thought that was us uh, down, as in him, his team down. Um, I don't think it's quite over yet, but no, it's certainly I mean, a they've big got blow. Wolves. They've got Wolves at home on Friday night. And obviously Wolves are a little bit hit and miss at the moment. Um, they had a, they played all right last night in the second half after being blown away by West Ham in the first half. But, I mean, that's a winnable game. They've obviously got Newcastle, which on the last day of the season is increasingly looking like it. It might have something riding on it. But I wouldn't rule them out by any means they've got a reasonable yet. run at home. I think they've got like Wolves yeah, and they have. Burnley or something like that. And, yeah, but and exactly, Newcastle. Burnley at home but as away, well. they've got like Man U, Chelsea and Arsenal, so they're probably not going to get a lot out of those three. No, they're going to have to win their three, they're going to have to win their three home games yeah. or at least three of those home games, I think. Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, I think they, we'll be all right. After. Still. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they win that game on Friday, of course, the benefit of playing early is if you do get the result, it puts pressure on, particularly on Newcastle, who are the team three points ahead. They have got inferior goal difference to Fulham as well, remember. So they would definitely go out of the bottom three if they win on uh, Friday, Fulham. But um, anyway, that's enough about those yeah, guys. For now. They haven't been winning those games because, I mean, both Villa away and Leeds home would have been seen as games where they could pick something up and they've not. Well, exactly, yeah. 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 Which is what happened and, and in, down the bottom. Yeah, in, term, in terms of them chasing us, of course, it's a big blow to have seen. Um, obviously, we didn't get a result, but nonetheless, that's one of our toughest games out of the way. And as I said, we're a game closer to the end of the season as a result. Without getting and thrashed. <laughs> and without getting thrashed, um, we are status quo, basically. Um, so the, the only twist, of course, being just to quickly mention West Brom, who quite bizarrely managed to win 5-2 at Chelsea, um, admittedly with the help of a red card at one point as well. I think straight after Chelsea took the lead, after a pretty bad start from them, um, they then conspired to get a player sent off for a second yellow, um, Silver, on his first game back after about two months out, um, which I think indirectly led to a large reason as to why they lost 5-2. But nonetheless, well played to yeah. West Brom. They actually did take Chelsea the game to them. Losing that 5-2, having been down to 10 men, for you still shouldn't be considered yeah. five goals to West Brom. I think there was some stat that West Brom had only scored 20 before that game or something like that, and three of those were against Chelsea in the home game as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Conor Gallagher scored all five of his Premier League goals against Chelsea, which is a brilliant stat. I think I know where I'm going to put my money next time. Um, but, I mean, their yeah, revival's come a little bit too late, hasn't it? Yeah, West yeah. Brom, I, yeah think. I, I can't see them survive. I mean, they're eight points off safety, which is Newcastle. Um, they've, they've probably got the goal difference to take into account. So effectively, they're nine points away from safety. I mean, I'm not sure they'll get nine points, let alone whatever Newcastle's yeah. target figure is in the end. In terms of us, they need 12. And that's if we get nothing for the rest of the season, in which case we'll probably yeah. go down anyway. So I, I really don't regard West Brom as an issue because if they ever no, take it, no, they're not for us. down anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm um, going back to the match then. So yeah, we we mentioned the goal um, at the beginning, and I think a positive first half, pretty much buzzing from it, and feeling that we might get our first ever win at Old Trafford. Um, United have been better away from home than at home this season, so there was every chance of it. I didn't think they were playing particularly well, or as uh, my Man United supporting London, but through and through mate said. 
they were dog shit, uh, to put it in their words, um, which I thought was putting down our, our good performance, actually, a little bit. He didn't think that we were that great, to be honest, but I did. But um, in the end, you know, as you said, we, we only got the one goal. It was always likely we were going to need a second one. I know this sounds like a bit of a cliche to say now. It did prove to be the case. A little bit of, I mean, a little bit of uh, just a, a case of fair play well taken for the equaliser, but it also did stem from a mistake. Feldman yeah. could have played a simple ball across to rotate the play over to this side of the field, camera side, and carry on a simple move forward. Opted for something else. Ball got cut out. And for uh, a couple of movements of the ball here and there, they ended up in on goal. Good finish from Rashford. Um, any, anybody... Got, got any takes on that in terms of? I mean, we don't want to be too harsh on Veltman there, do we? Because it was still there was still plenty to do at the point when they intercepted. No, oh, the same with you. It's, it's unfortunate it came from our own undoing, but the quality of the finish from Rashford and the pull through, you can't really defend that. Sanchez didn't really have a chance to save it, so as you say, you just have to say fair play, good goal. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those, isn't it? And. As Peter said, for the for the winner that came uh, eventually, um, a, certainly a bit of fortune involved in that as well because um, there was a mishit. I do think we could have done better defensively. It seemed that Basuma was a little bit lethargic, could have possibly closed in and put pressure on his man, um, possibly in a Harry Maguire style. <laughs> we'll come to the penalty in a minute. Um, but we, we could have put pressure on them a bit more. I know there was a bit of fortune with the way where it ended up anyway, but uh, that was kind of frustrating, wasn't it? And White couldn't quite uh, yeah. get it away. Um, I think I do think quite going each other's way, didn't they? I think, and one of them yeah. cleared it. Like White touched it, didn't he? But didn't get it out. But you think maybe yeah. he could have stopped it. But again, he was just unlucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, going on to the penalty then, I mean, that's occurred when the score was back at one all so it was the chance for us potentially to have gone 2-1 up if it had been awarded now I've ranted on and on about the first game between our two sides sorry was it to go 2-0 up I can't remember um, um, I think it was after the equaliser yeah, I think, I think it was yeah yeah. Either way, we certainly would have benefited from it if we'd have scored it. I do feel we're overdue scoring a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, I but start with almost, in a way, if it doesn't happen to me, Welbeck taps in if he yeah. doesn't get fouled. So if Maguire exactly. doesn't foul him from behind, that's 2-1 anyway, straight away. Yeah. and Even if you're in the penalty. I've, I've ranted my head off about that first match over and over again, so I won't bore people with the, all the details I've broken down before. But let's say there were multiple um, multiple things in that first game, uh, officiating-wise, which went against us, as well as the bad luck of hitting the bar yeah. about 100 times. Um, but in this game, I mean, well, one of the issues I had from that first game was the overturned, was it clear and obvious enough to overturn penalty appeal for Connolly? And also the fact that Maguire fouled Dunk in the build-up to one of their goals in that match as well, which I haven't even ranted about before. I've just been reminded of that by Chris, one of our listeners and regular on uh, Seagulls over London. Um, but, you know, we've had a load of stuff go against us. This was a pretty similar situation. It was a penalty claim. You could argue there's some debate either side about it. It's not the most stonewall in the world, but I do think it was a penalty all of the match of the day guys did, all three of them. Most of the other people who are neutrals I've spoken to have said so. Also a Liverpool fan, friend of mine, but he would do, wouldn't he? Uh, but, um, I mean, you know, it wasn't clear and obvious enough to overturn. Um, they seemed to think that was okay to do that in the first game, to our detriment. They didn't think it was um, worth doing in this game, to our detriment. Peter, you're reaching to come in yeah. on this. Let's go, so, go I mean, for it, mate. <laughs> I think it was a clear penalty person. I think they should have overturned it. Um, yeah. My it, my big issue is if Dunk does that on Rashford, it's probably a, it's a penalty and a red card to me, no doubt yeah, about 100%. it. United get that decision every day of the week. There's no doubt in my mind that they get a penalty there, um, and yeah. it is a red card because. Oh, well, he's so down. he's so upset about it. He's frozen for a moment. <laughs> um, I can I'll, go, go on, Robert. What he was going to say, which is, I think it's. it's... Oh, he's back. There he is. <laughs> I'm slightly unstable, apparently, and the internet as well. <laughs> One feeding off the other. Yeah, go, go on, Peter. Carry on with your rants. Oh, I'm enjoying that was it. it. I mean, just that, yeah, I think it, if it's the other way around, it's given to United and probably is a red card because there's no attempt to get the ball and it's a clear goal scoring opportunity. So yeah. 
Hundred yeah. percent agree. I am sick and tired of Manchester United getting decisions. This is the reason I hate United. They get so many more yeah. than any other team, yeah. not just against us in general. And going back to even when they were dominant, didn't need to. They got loads of decisions their way. And, and this season, I mean, Harry Maguire alone. I mentioned the game where he pulled Dunk. This game against us as well. You look at that comical incident in the Everton game, no Chelsea game, wasn't it? Where he he was basically. In, in an amorous grapple with <laughs> with Chelsea man. And how we go away with that, I don't know. They, they've had a, a copious number of penalty awards. And I can recall, I couldn't tell you exactly which games, but I can recall five incidents that come vaguely to mind um, where they've got away with something. And I thought, no, no, that wasn't a penalty. The only time I can recall them getting something go the other way against them was the Palace game where um, a decision went against them. But that was a game they were going to lose anyway, and they were second best in anyway. So they haven't they haven't even suffered for that. And it's also typical one. that Palace get the one decision to go for them against United as well, isn't it? It's like, if yeah. all the teams get the one decision against United, it would be Palace. Yeah. yeah the thing that annoyed me about Sunday's one is we appealed for it, and the VAR replay was like less than five seconds and there's no penalty, carry on. And normally there's multiple replays, loads of stuff, lines drawn, finding anything, but it's just like instantly dismissed. So, Well, it's because you've got Alex Ferguson sitting in the stand, haven't you? He's got like a little mind control device. (laughs) Someone said he was was... quite close to the front as well. He was maybe putting some physical intimidation in there. (laughs) I think this is where you look at, I know we often talk about the comparison or I often talk about the comparison between VAR and how other sports implement their video system. This is where you look at, you you draw the parallel with cricket and umpire's call. And this is very much where, so so that then would then go hand in hand with, if VAR was consistent in terms of clear and obvious error, Hmm. you would, you kind of go fair enough, but it's not, it's so arbitrary. Like you said, Russ, whether it's overturned or not, because Hmm. it's, if the referee says no penalty in that situation and VAR is very consistent about only overturning glaring errors, then I would go, well, fair enough. You'd go, okay, fine. The referee's made that call. And actually, like I say, to me, it's not a stonewall one. I think it's more of a penalty than not, but I don't think it's necessarily a stonewall one. So you'd go, fine. The referee's made a call. He said no penalty. Don't overturn it. Other way it applies. If he's given a penalty, I don't think there's enough there to overturn it that way. But my big issue is that VAR is not consistent in terms of clear and obvious yeah. error. You reckon would have happened 100%. if Mike gave a penalty there? Would it I, don't think it, I don't think it would have been overturned if he'd given it. Yeah, same. <laughs> hmm. That's what I say. I yeah. think it comes down to that umpire's, the umpire's yeah. call situation, which is basically whichever way the referee went on it. Yeah. With a decision like that, yeah. I don't think it would be. I don't. I didn't see it being overturned. Yeah, yeah and the point you made, Brent, uh, uh, Brett, about the um, I don't know why I called you Brent then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brent, um, yeah, David Brent, maybe. No, um, uh, the, the reason that's that's a pertinent point is is it's what Graham Potter also highlighted in the um, in his post match. I think it was. You know, he he made the same point you did. He asked the question. Would that have been overturned if it had been given the other way? Um, oh, well, it's Man United. Maybe it would have done, but it certainly shouldn't have been. Um, it wouldn't have been clear and obvious enough to have overturned. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very frustrating. I've been itching for us to get some justice, and I would have happily just taken it from outplaying them or just outscoring them, even being lucky with a with the performance. Um, but to have some poor decision-making overturn it, um, another decision against us again is, is very hard to take from a team I can't stand exactly. and you look at some of the penalties we've had against us the Southampton one which was overruled by VAR to be a penalty when it was clearly yep. outside the area the Palace one which wasn't overruled despite there being no contact between Lamptey and Batshuayi it's it's just so inconsistent and based on I agree with the concept of what Robin and Brett are saying I get I, I agree with it but the problem is that that penalty could then be given by a referee against us next week and on that basis, we concede a penalty for the same thing that we didn't get a penalty for. Yeah. And it, you're, so you're still basically not using VAR because it's all down to the vagaries of a, of a random referee on the same day. And that was my, that's my overall thing with VAR, which I've mentioned ad nauseum, which is actually there are so many instances where it's still subjective. Yeah. I know we always, I always go back to the shirt pulling example. Yeah. You'll get some referees that are very hot on giving penalties for shirt pulling and others you can basically pull the shirt yeah. off of an attacker or a defender and nothing gets called but it's still so like Peter's saying it still comes down to who is the referee and who is the VAR in any given game rather than 
the rules and the technology. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I'm sick and tired of is, is the referees' union because it's just that the VAR is proving to just be an extension of them covering themselves in, in, a, in a new form, uh, in, a, in a more crowd-spoiling form of the, of the game. And even Dermot Gallagher, I saw his thing on uh, Sky Sports, he, he said, um, didn't think enough to overturn it, um, which obviously goes against what you said, Peter. And I, I agree, I think it was... I think it was overturnable, and I think it, you know, it should have been. Um, but Dermot Gallagher, time and again, with very few exceptions, will just back the referee, saying, well, the job's hard, it wasn't clear, he wouldn't have had the best view, or something, something, something. And now that VAR's in, he'll just make excuses for that one way or another as well. It's pointless, um, so it's pointless having him as an analyst, because yeah, exactly. you'll get the same answer. Exactly. I mean, you I think it's... Want... What we talked about on the episode a couple of weeks ago, which is... The, the we should be able to hear the conversation between the referee and the VAR. That would change everything in my head. Absolutely, yeah. You yeah, don't 100%. necessarily need to mic up all the players and all this yeah. kind of stuff that other people talk about. But as a minimum, you know, in cricket, you can hear the discussion between the third umpire and the, and the umpire. In rugby, you can hear the conversation between the TMO and the referee. And it clears the fans straight away then know. You can disagree with the line of thinking, but at least you've then heard You've heard the justification. It's not an arbitrary checks over. Well, what did you look at? Did you look at this angle? Did you look at that angle? If the VAR goes, yeah, I've seen it. Looks like, you know, 50-50. There's not enough there for me to overturn it. You can then go, fair enough. At least we've heard the the explanation. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. And yeah, it, it, it needs so much fine tuning. That's one for a whole new episode, I think, just dedicated to that one again, probably, which yeah. we'll come to. Um, in terms of the game, though, just, just going on to one or two other bits. I mean, in terms of the lineup, I mean, and, and individual performances from our guys, we, we had Sanchez in goal, of course, White, Duncan, Veltman on the left of the three, wasn't it, for the centre backs? With a, well, according to the BBC, anyway, they, they said it was a 3 4 1 2 formation, which I largely agree with, I think. So Moda playing in that kind of left wing back sort of role or left midfield role again Grosh on the right um, which is why I thought he'd actually cross for the goal actually uh, at the time it looked like Grosh style cross as yeah. well um, yeah and Lalana and Basuma in mid again so Lalana again making a start uh, Trossard in the deeper attacking role more paying well back up front um, anything to take from individual performances or, or or any of the other elements of the team um, I think Moda is excellent. Yeah. He is an excellent mm. signing. Um, yeah, he obviously we saw against England. He, he looked pretty good, but he seems to, he just seems to have hit the standard pretty quickly. I know he's obviously mm. been playing Europa League and he's been playing at a high standard, but we've seen other players, you know, the Jurgen Lacadias of this world, who have also come over having played in high-profile competitions and not <laughs> looked really quite as good. That he within two, with about five minutes of his full debut, he we missed two chances yeah. just to fit in. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. (laughs) We've done really well. We've coached that of him really quickly. Any hint of of being deadly in front of goal has gone straight away. I I often wonder whether we've got is Mark McCammon like our secret striking coach that we've got at Lancet (laughs) to bring in? Yeah, Uh, I mean they do it okay for their countries, don't they? I thought, yeah. And my other, my only other comment on individual performances would be I, I still find it. It's quite a bizarre, consistent substitution, which is Jahanbash gets brought on <laughs> with about five to seven minutes left. And basically, any, any given game, any scenario, Jahanbash is wheeled out for the last five minutes. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. I feel for the bloke because what's he supposed to do in that amount of time? I mean, obviously, um, we know he's got a wonder goal in him. I going to say score be... a Chelsea-style goal is the answer. I mean, <laughs> all that, to me, that all that setting him up for is people, is the consistency mm. of fans just to go, he's a waste of space, what's he doing? Mm. I mean, I can see the ben- I can see why Potter does it because he's trying to do something different, but he's done that so many times and given him that few amount of minutes that give, you know, give Iskero a go, who no one's seen for a while, or give you know, somebody else ago. It just seems a bizarre Security. substitution to me and it's consistently made. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, I, I suppose if you've just got this vision in your head of him scoring the goal like the Chelsea goal uh, and you're, you're imagining at some point he's going to do that in one of these games and once mm. you've done it three or four times and bought into the whole narrative in your head, maybe you think, well, 
But now if I don't do it, I'm, maybe that was the game that he was going to do it in. And I, I don't know, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, what do you make of, of that, Brent? Do you see any any kind of way that Jahan Batch could find his way back into the team other than scoring a Chelsea wonder goal style? Styling? Not for me. He's been, he's been given his chance and hmm. he has scored the worldies, obviously, but so many times he just he doesn't look up for it. He doesn't tackle. He doesn't... <laughs> He misses. I don't know. Just but then you look at him in his Dutch league days, and he's prolific. His assists, his goals, everything. And yeah, I don't know. Now we I mean, Lana, and who was on Lana was amazing against Man United. I thought he was everywhere. And yeah, I think he was my man of the match actually. And yeah. I pick him over your hand match every time now. And. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's got one. He's one of those players that, as you said, he, he can do something yeah. magical here and there. Um, I get the impression that he's not really Grand Potter's man, which is why it's a curiosity. He keeps getting these little cameos rather than yeah, that's some, I can't someone get it. like like Zakiri who he might have some some plans for in the future, mm-hmm. and you want to get him integrated yeah. in those small ways. Um, uh, Peter. Yeah, I think with, with Johan Batch, I think the thing is, he, barring, I think, that Bournemouth game, whenever he started, he's never really done anything at all. All his, like, maybe his most interesting things have been from the bench. So no one, any time he starts, there's never, he's never going to get a start because he's never done anything yeah. in that position. And yeah, I agree. It's very odd that he has the five, ten minutes. So I thought in, yeah. individually, I thought everyone played pretty well. I know Veltman made a bit of an, an error, but generally I thought the team played really well. I thought Grosch and um, were really good considering they're out of position and what, you know, where they're fixed to play. And I mean, with the fact that we've got basically, well, including Kubovnik, four fit defenders and we're yeah. doing pretty well still, being pretty solid is, is a, you know, obviously pretty useful there. And I thought the front three looked dangerous again. Mope, Welbeck and Trossard had changed well. I was quite disappointed Trossard was brought off to be honest. I thought he looked quite lively. Yeah, yeah he looked pretty annoyed that he was brought off as well. But I mean, he's got that we talked about it before, he's got that general kind of surly look where he looks like he doesn't really enjoy anything about life. But I think that's just his, <laughs> I think that's just his demeanour. Um, but he didn't look like he was tired. And I, I know he played, he had some minutes for Belgium, but he didn't look like he was knackered to me. Yeah, but he started I suppose, in the, the last game. Yeah, I mean, Belgium. I suppose, I guess, it's Sheffield United next, isn't it? Is it? No, Ev- uh, Everton, I think. First, it's Everton it? next. Everton mm. Monday week. I suppose we haven't got... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had kind of eight days. I was just wondering if it was they had the that the next game in mind, but no, we've got a got an eight day gap. So yeah, I mean, they because Chelsea's I mean, week afterwards as well because they're oh, yeah. if they can't. So we've got eight days and then eight days again or something. So yeah, so I don't know, bizarre one. They made um, the change on sixty three minutes, didn't they? For McAllister, who I, I really like, I'm, I'm interested to get your view on this, Brett. Actually, do you are you a fan of McAllister? I think he's got a lot of bite and tenacity. Yeah, and that's what I like. mixes when, things up. When we signed him, I thought he's just going to be some like flair attacking player, but he has got that bite. He does get stuck in, and I really like that about him. And then when yeah. he gets all his vision for passing, is brilliant. Um, yeah, he set up the penalty move, didn't yeah. he, as well, with the long-range pass to um, Morpé. I was going to say, it was a really good pass and a really good cross again from Mope as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought that yeah. was one of Mope's best, best games for us as well. He didn't score, but he was everywhere, terrorising the defence, holding it up really well. Amazing cross for the goal, although he doesn't get the assist for it because Welbeck didn't score at the first header. Yeah, so, this thing of wide split... Attackers, I really like the idea of uh, strikers going wide because I've I'm, I've always thought that strikers actually are pretty good crossers of the ball. Mm. I noticed on a few occasions Alan Shearer used to do it. He he put in a pinpoint ball because he knew where exactly was the right point from yeah. a, from from the other uh, point of view. Um, and other other people have done the same. And I think it helps they've got an attacker in Welbeck who's like who's taller than five foot three or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say it can get taken to extremes. Gareth Southgate uh, and Harry Kane spring to mind at this point uh, with corners or whatever it was he was doing. But in general, I think it can work very well. If you've got another decent finisher who's in the middle to be on the the end of it, it can work nicely. Um, They do seem to have found, which is really good, a a forward line that works quite well as well, which is positive. Obviously, for quite a long time, we were struggling going forward. We've now got what six goals in three games and look dangerous as well with the front three of Welbeck, Malpe and Trossard with Lallana and behind. Trossard's definitely more comfortable, isn't he, in the middle, Tross? 
yeah, so it, it's starting to work. But and I know, obviously, I think they probably will still need to get a striker in the summer. But it's encouraging because I mean, a few weeks ago, I was saying I think Welbeck has to go in the summer. He's not done enough to justify staying. But actually, now we're probably worse than a year actually, given what he's done the last few weeks. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, keeping this what, what I say is being described as a three-four-one-two or three-four-three mm-hmm. formation, I think could work well. It's it's got to be fluid, and it always will be with Graham Possel, won't it? But um, I, I quite like it. I think it's got some merits. It's got some benefits, um, and it can work well. Um, yeah, what I liked is the start of the season we were playing with out and out pace and Lamptey and March and the wings, and now we've got Gross and Moda, and, and we're still <laughs> playing really well. So it's like a completely different type of player on the wings, but we've adapted and we've done really well. And I don't know, I guess that's down to Potter. I guess that's down to everyone else. Backs are overlapping a lot more now, aren't they? That's kind of a lot more of like White getting forward and Veltman as well when you play centre-back and kind of yeah. doing that way rather than... Because like with Lamptey, obviously, so much pace, he could just go on his own, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's good Absolutely. Yeah. And any other thoughts from the game? Any, any final thoughts before we break for half-time? Um, I, th- um, I think it kind of... One of my abiding thoughts is that I've added Bruno Fernandes to the list of players that I just really don't like. That <laughs> really winds me up. He's another one that always seems to be in the referee's ear a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, which I don't like. First goal, I thought, rather than celebrating the goal, he was in the referee's ear to book um, Beltman. Which he probably yeah. should have done. The, your, your reaction should be to celebrate a goal, not to go in the referee's yeah. ears. Yeah, it's, it's something. So, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my main conclusion is that he's Portuguese just, players as much as a good be, player. Portuguese players tend to be adjutants, don't they? I think if you look at Ronaldo, particularly in his earlier days, if you look at Pepe, of course, who is the ultimate yeah. shithouser, um, and, and various of the other players in their team, there's always people. You know, waving imaginary cards, getting around refs. It's clearly a deliberate tactic, but it is a pretty irritating one. And I mean, we kept him quiet largely. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it is very irritating. Um, I don't like him much. I do think he's a fantastic player, of course, but but very annoying. What was also annoying, my final footnotes from the game were uh, again, the Homer factor for refs. Um, In that first game, um, one of my objectives objections to it was two different players could have been sent off for second yellows Man United players one of them for the exactly the same offence that our man got booked for I think it was White I can't remember in that game um, I might have got that wrong uh, but whoever it was got booked for the same offence in this game I didn't think White's booking was merited I'm, I can't quite remember Grosh's but I have a vague sense that that seemed quite harsh well, as well I was going to say Grosh was right and I was going to like say well done to him because we don't do cynical kind of tackles when players are breaking through, and he did, and he tripped there. Yeah. Oh, that was oh, that was that yeah. one. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that, that, that was yeah. a good one. It was textbook. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Peter. We we need more of that. Yeah, yeah. Nice. but we we're a bit naive at times. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, but, the only person who's done it brilliantly was Davy Proper, wasn't it? When he did <laughs> two people in like the space of ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, who was that against? Does that sound? Well, was it Wolves? A oh, Wolves? Yeah, it was Wolves. Was it Wolves at the Amex last season? I think wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a classic on YouTube. Search it out, guys. Well, you can argue he didn't do it well because he had to take out the second bloke. If he'd done it well, yeah, that is fair. Point, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the soft yellows is, is one of my bugbears. I do think the white one was was powder puff. Really, he's had three bookings this season. Two of them are, are jokes. The one against Liverpool was as well um, at the Amex. But anyway, wasn't it on um, Yotta? Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Which, for which they're awarded a free kick. A lot of soft yellows are not many for like cynical ones like Grush did. And I, yeah, I want to see us doing more than that because it's, it is quite naive to let yeah. people just break away and not go and just yeah. not trip them when you can stop them at the halfway line. Well, that yeah, might you wouldn't mind if it was... Why we drop so many points is just we're too nice and yeah. we don't do stuff like that. We don't see out games. But we need, when we need to do the dirty stuff, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true, true. But as I said, the, the game, you know, we might have lost it, but it was a narrow margin. No harm done, we think, looking looking ahead to what comes next. Um, and I mean, I've got to say, I'll be a lot more annoyed if we were really close to that line right now and had that bad decision for the penalty. We can smile about a little bit more, um, but I think we'll probably leave the match review there for now. When we come back in part two, we're going to talk Caxton Arms with Brett um, and also a bit of footy news and some other bits and pieces. So we'll be back in just a moment.
Okay, so back with part two. Peter and I joined this week by Robin and by Brett at the Caxton Arms, literally at the Caxton Arms. And I'm, I'm not getting bored of that background scenery, I have to say, Brett. I'm just looking forward to getting down there again. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a great pub right near the station in Brighton. So when things are back to normal, um, we'll be definitely heading down that way. Some good beers to be had and some good company. We'll get on to some details on that in just a minute. But going through a, bit, a few bits of football news, we've had quite a roller coaster of, of episodes and things going on. So we haven't really got into too much detail. Um, there's a few bits we've missed, which is, you know, from a, a few, fair few days ago now, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. First of all, the sad passing of Frank Worthington, a legend more at other clubs than at ours. He was only with us for about a season or so, but um, he was famous at the Albion for doing his, well, flair infused warm-ups down on the touchline. I remember him from the, the old Goldstone days. I was in the North Stand back in those days. And it was great to see. He was a fantastic player. Mainly made his mark with Bolton, Leicester and places like that. But um, a superb player. One of those maverick, Matt Letizia-style players, I guess you'd say, um, who, who could really t- turn a game on his own. Um, a few little flourishes during his time at the Albion. I don't know if any of you guys probably won't remember much about him at the time. But... Um, yeah, I mean, sad, sad to see his passing. Rather more shockingly, Lee Collins, uh, Yeovil Town's, um, well, active captain, um, sadly died at the age of 32. Seems to be sudden death. Um, nothing suspicious, just, um, I think, health-related reasons. Um, so an absolute tragedy, just 32 years old. He'd been out with injury for quite some time. Just come back. I think he was on the bench the game before he died. So, you know, uh, our, certainly our thoughts go out to everyone with his family and at Yeovil. Um, yeah, a couple of couple of sad bits of news there. Um, speaking of the lower leagues, though, just a few other bits to mention. Um, guys, I don't know if you remember Joe Ward at the Albion. Do you remember him? He was a right winger trying to break into the team. He's He's been pulling up trees at Peterborough. I've been watching his progress uh, he's been there for a while, I think, but this season he's been one of their best players, um, playing a wing-back role uh, on the right side. He's been in amongst the goals a little bit, scored an absolute cracker, I think, earlier a few weeks ago, and quite a few assists. Good to see that our old boys doing well, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, not just at Nottingham Forest. Um, so, and also Simon Rusk, of course, who's left the Albion Youth um, coaching ranks, uh, well, the 23s that he was with, he's been at Stockport. They've been doing quite well. I um, watched the game yesterday. Unfortunately, it was a bore draw in the end. <laughs> but um, he has been doing well with Stockport. And they've got one Paddy Madden playing for them now as well, which is a bit of a coup. So um, things may be looking on the up for them. Um, at Coventry, both our low knees scored. That was good to see. And Ryan Longman continues to impress at Wimbledon. Um, any other bits of news that have caught your eyes, guys, from this week's news? No, it's been the international break and then just this weekend, it's been the first time I've gone out and seen people. So it's, I've kind of missed the football. My only bit of, have you talked about that goalkeeper that equalised for Sevilla? Yeah, yeah, we did, did touch ago, on yeah. it. Yeah, that was brilliant. I, thought, I do love a goalkeeper. Yeah, obviously a big fan of yeah, a goalkeeper <laughs> yeah. scoring. Um Open play that wasn't. No, I mean it's been it's been pretty quiet, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know whether we're, we're going to see Brentford doing their annual <laughs> choking in the last eight or nine games. Um, Although Watford have just maybe let them in a little bit yesterday with a draw, didn't they? Kind of. Yeah. Looking at Watford's fixtures, they're still going to play Norwich, Brentford, Swansea, and Reading in their. Yeah, I saw that. That's really game. Tough. So That's a tough <laughs> Yeah. Reading seem to have come from relatively nowhere this season, don't they? To have had a very good season. Yeah. From memory, they seem to have... They were top at one point as well. and then have got Yeah. Before, but... I think the last few seasons they've been hovering and kind of like lower mid-table, haven't they? Um, well, who's their manager? I mean, Barnsley were... Yeah, Barnsley as well. three last season for most of the season. Only stayed up, I think, because other teams had points deducted. And then... They're now in the playoffs this year, which is incredible. Yeah, and they scored a stop. I think they scored a stoppage time goal in the last game to stay up. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember his done really well. At Brentford. At Brentford it? Yeah, it was at Brentford. Yeah. Yeah, they have been one of those wishy washy teams. They're almost a team you forget in that division, aren't they? There's one of those things. I always had that with QPR for a while as well. I don't know why. Maybe it's something to do with who's, the hoops. Who's Reading's uh, manager these days? It's a Serbian guy. I've forgotten his name, actually. Oh, right. I'm quite impressed with him. He's, he carries himself well. Very articulate in English, I noticed. Um, I can't for the life of me think of his name. We'll maybe see it 
I see Peter looking on the computer. We're going to get the info in a minute. <laughs> but he's, he's doing very well. Yeah, he's he's a good he's a good manager and um, it'll be interesting. Bins, apparently, I have no idea if that's pronounced right pronunciation. But say that again. Bielko Pornovic. All right. Yeah. Paulovic, I'm not familiar. I'm not yeah. familiar with that his helped. previous work. So. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's doing very well. And um, there's a few up and coming managers. We've got the, the manager. We've talked about Valerie Ismail as well before. Oh, so yeah, yeah he's done well. I mean, I think in the championship, it's quite unusual to see the three relegated teams all doing so well. Obviously, top hmm. two were both relegated, weren't they? And Bournemouth are kind of in and around it. You normally have one that has a, a Huddersfield or a Stoke who have a kind of fairly awful season. But in theory, the relegated three could be the one that comes straight back up. And I wonder if that's... Has that ever happened? Not for a um, while. Yeah. It happened quite a lot, I think, when the old days, when there was quite a big gap, but... I think that would be quite interesting to see. But yeah, I think they, um, none of them lost yeah. many players, did they? None of them lost like loads. I mean, Watford has still got Saar, who was brilliant in the Premier League, and yeah. Bournemouth has still got you know one or two really key, you know, key David players. Brooks, I think, and yeah, that Brooks kind of lot, haven't they? So. I'm not too. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too worried about who comes up as long as we're staying up. Um, this is, of course, um, looking at who who we might be looking to get ahead of next year. I mean, Norwich and Watford, I, I guess, are the best two looking at it now. Brentford just don't quite seem to have enough in the tank, do they, season after season, to really look convincing enough. They look a really good team. I like the way they play. I like the manager. I like what they do, bringing players through. But they, it just always seems to be something missing, doesn't there, at this stage of the season? I mean, presumably, we want the we want the worst team to come up in the yeah. playoffs, don't we? Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, like, Reading, <laughs> yeah. I think Reading would be dreadful in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we want to just yeah, rely be... on this, of course. But still, it's it's good to know whoever has come up is is the worst of the options from the, the issue survival point of view. They often lose two or three players. That's another part of their plan. So they often start right pretty ordinarily, and so they have to have hmm. such a good run to get back up with the top two or three that then that can't carry on for the whole season because. They, they just literally have to win like 10, 12 in a row just to get up with the top, top two. Yeah. It's difficult going up a division. It's always hard to adapt, isn't it? And Premier League's the worst of it. Harrogate in League Two, coming into the league for the first year, have done pretty well. I, I like them. Good club. And Dave, I think he sometimes listens to the pod. He's a Southampton-based Albion fan. He's from Harrogate originally, and um, that's his second team. So he'll be delighted they've done well. They didn't do so well on Monday, though. They lost 2-0 at home to Port Vale. The reason I'm going on about that game, any idea, guys? Female referee. It is, yeah. Um, referee Rebecca Welsh made an impressive debut, as, uh, says the BBC, as she became the first woman to be appointed to officiate an EFL match in Port Vale's 2-0 win at Harrogate. She's 37. She made history. Day went unspoilt, it says, uh, without any major controversy, which is maybe, you know, fortunate, maybe just good refereeing, who knows. Um, there was a contentious decision waved away for, to do with the first half penalty, but I don't think it was too contentious. So it sounds like a really good debut. Good congratulations to her. She's not technically the first person, uh, first female to, to officiate though, um, because Amy Fern refed the final 20 minutes of an EFL game right back in 2010 uh, when the starting ref had been injured in, in a match then. Um, but in terms of being officially appointed and having the whole match, that was the first time. So congratulations to her, which is great. Um, one of the bit of um, news, I guess, just worth mentioning in dispatches, Danny Welbeck's goal uh, against Newcastle was amongst the seven selected for the shortlist for uh, goal of the month. And I, I think quite fairly, it wasn't the winner. Um, there was a certain Rabona, which uh, won. Surprise, surprise, Lamella. Um, I've scored a few of those myself, of course, back in the school days. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. Um, do you like a Rabona, guys? Uh, Brett, are you a fan of the Rabona? Yeah, is it too showboaty? No, when it comes off, it's brilliant. But I, if I try it, I'll be more like when David Dunn did it. <laughs> like trip <over. laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm more yeah, of a fan. I'm more of a fan when it's attempted and yeah. done very badly. Yeah. That's that's a bit more my thing. <laughs> there was out. The only thing I was going to mention otherwise is that Lewis Dunk. That was his 300th league start for the Albion. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, I missed that, that old. Yeah. So. I've outstatted you for once. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's a slightly bizarre stat from this weekend is I think Welbeck got his third goal against United since leaving. And that was the most that any player has scored against United since leaving, which seems... Really? Yeah, that's really? I'm sure I heard that. Has Ronaldo like a... not scored? You'd have thought Ronaldo would have scored. 
I heard. I'm I sure I heard that on the TV. I may have misheard it. It's but a good start. No, it's yeah, a good start. If, if it's true, yeah. then that's quite surprising. The number of players that they must have because he scored. The he scored there. He scored oh. there for Arsenal. I remember. Um, he must have scored. Did he score for Watford against United last season? Or he scored no. another one for Arsenal. Or he scored another one for Arsenal. But anyway, he did score a cracker last year, didn't he? For Watford, Danny Welbeck. Oh but, yeah, that's um, like an overhead kick or something, wasn't it? I guess a lot of a lot of Man United uh, players have either retired or gone to the States, which is more or less the same thing. And it's certainly in the past times, not so much now. Or they've um, or just gone abroad elsewhere, and therefore you know the chances of mm. maybe United just haven't played Real Madrid with Beckham in it or whatever, you know that that sort of thing. I don't know. The only other uh, thinking is Javier Javier Hernandez would have been the only one that might have scored yeah. a few, but no, I yeah. think it, I mean well, it, 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 the stat was made up or I misheard it, but. No, true, I mean, I, when you think about it, there's not that many obvious ones who've... I mean, I suppose Tevez. I don't think he's scored in three Manchester derbies, but yeah, it's probably right. I mean, it's probably bang on. It's an interesting one, though. Yeah. Well, there we go. OK, well, guys, the final part of this show is dedicated to Brat's reopening. Pubs <laughs> are from... It's from um, Monday, isn't it? That yeah. um, you can start to allow... Um, members of the public to come in if you have garden space, which you do. Um, so we've got to, um, uh, and then I think it's next month, isn't it? Is it the 17th of June? Yeah, is 17th, that right? I think, or um, May. Yeah, 17th of May is the next big oh, one. Oh, sorry, on, on May, yeah. That's when yeah. you can have limited numbers spaced out within interior spaces. Is that right? Yeah, we can have six yeah. people on a table. Yeah. So we, well, when we last had you in, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was sometime in the summer, yeah. I think. Um, lockdown had yeah. already kicked in first time round. Um, tell us about your journey in the pub game since lockdown, because it's been quite tumultuous, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's uh, too hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> the first lockdown, we were closed for 16 weeks. Then we were allowed yeah. to open, but you're only allowed six people on a table. And then you're allowed to open, but had to close at 10 o'clock. And then you had to have a meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Substantial meal. Then we got mm. locked down again. And I don't know. But it's been, yeah, the last year has been really tough, I think. We've only mm. been. A... You've had sort of, like, there's a crowdfunder you put in at one point, didn't you, to help out? And yeah, it's been. That's been the uh, life. I've had no income. And then the government grants didn't cover what I've had to pay mm. out so it's just yeah. to be able to get to this point I didn't know if I could obviously it played with my head and now I can see it's like so we've got builders in now and it's it's actually happening the beer arrives tomorrow oh fantastic so, yeah I think great. the bottom line is we're we're delighted for you mate yeah. to be honest that's um, the thing that's kept me going it's like the support from friends people I don't know well people I've never met it's been Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the important really thing also to mention is that I've seen there's going to be some absolutely cracking beer transfers. Transfer yeah. deals have been done <laughs> whilst yeah. you've been reopening, um, which is good news. We're looking forward to coming down, hopefully, at some point when we're allowed to. But yeah, yeah delighted because, you know, it's a, August maybe with Brighton, maybe allowed to have 10,000, maybe more fans. Who yeah. No. it'll be good because it's you know it's a great it's a great pub you know it's yeah. great atmosphere yeah. food is good beer is always good so yeah we're delighted that the it's still going to be there for us to uh... yeah. so I've, yeah. I've only got 32 seats in the garden the capacity is 150 normally so i'm not going to break even but it's better than being closed um yeah and you can start to build the the rapport back up with, with yeah. the town town and everything, can't you? Did you did you do any um the takeaway service kind of options when that was a, a, a thing? No, basically it would have cost me loads to the brewery Shepherd Neem have been brilliant. All the time I've been closed, I haven't had to pay rent. Oh, okay. Oh, that's brilliant. If I'd opened, I would have had to pay rent and I would I have made enough money in sales and takeaway to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you pay the shifts and stuff. So it's just been a complete close. So uh, this is yeah. week fifteen of sixteen. <laughs> I've been off in a row. <laughs> yeah. What? What? The other thing of the question was going to be over Christmas. So, did you try to um, to open for that Christmas period? Because, of course, the government stitched everyone up, didn't they? There was a load of beer wastage due yeah. to the ambiguous chopping and changing of 
decision making. They should have called it earlier to to yeah. not have things open. Basically, we um, from the fourth of December till Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, so did you did you happen to lose a lot there, or did you get lucky with the timings on anything? No, we threw away about seven hundred pints. <laughs> oh blimey! We could have had those, Peter, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> An afternoon out. A long weekend. Yeah, and then it became legal <laughs> to do takeaway beers, so I couldn't. Get yeah, true. Up and take it away, so it just literally all went in the drain, which was horrendous. Oh, heartbreaking. It's horrible, so isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To go to just that and not just shut, but to also have to pour away so much beer, and yeah, yeah it must be so yeah. frustrating. Is yeah. there, Brett? Is there anything that that those of us that don't live in Brighton can do to help you? In the short term, are you doing anything like gift vouchers that we could buy that we can redeem when we come uh, down? Anything like that? I can't remember off the top of my head. There was something that we did around Christmas, but haven't followed it up since. Kind of just switched off and knew I'd come in. No, no, that's up. But yeah, if there's anything that we can do, I'm sure there'll yeah, be a lot of London and other based Albion fans that would buy a, like a, a round of drinks now that we could redeem when we come down or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we have got that. I'll, I'll have to find the website for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. No, it's all right. Don't worry. Are you selling brick space on the wall or anything for names? I'm just going to no, go it's... back to being a pub and that's such a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great just seeing a, a pub in the background. I know I joked about yeah. that earlier, but it really is good to see that, actually, yeah, uh, whether it be a familiar one that we've, yeah. we've got here or... Or even one that wasn't. It's it's good to see. Um, just tell us about what because you've you've changed some of the beer and you've also got some new stuff going on with the menu for when things reopen, haven't you? For yeah, anyone that, all, that wants to go down, tell yeah, us about that. Refurb as well because we have been completely closed. We've been able to fix all the jobs I haven't I've been putting off for uh, for God knows how long. Um, <laughs> and then like the change of Beard, like Shepherd Neem have been good and given us a new range that we could choose from. Um, yeah. It's just been given a like free reign to make a new menu. So lots of exciting things to happen. Just want it to be a little bit different from when I closed. But yeah, in a good yeah. way. I mean, I, I like I like my ales, um, any any kind of ale, um, IPAs, craft beers, any of that stuff. So, what, what, have you got anything on new that that would entice me beyond obviously a good range anyway? But uh, what, what... I'm not sure yet. The um, the ale things a bit hard at the moment because they haven't been able to brew everything because they didn't know when we would actually open, and mm, they, they only that's true. we could open yesterday, didn't they? So. So, like, supplies are a bit hard. So I don't know what I've ordered, if everything will come tomorrow. But, yeah, we've got four new draft beers and guest ales as and when we get them. So Excellent. We'll see what happens. It all sounds awful. I'm definitely not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, we've had to lose Robin. He's had to go back to work. We we're recording this at lunchtime. Um, so thanks to him for joining us. Um, he's probably actually just left... Um, in order to make his way down from the northeast in time for yeah. Monday, it takes a while to get down from there. I think yeah, that's, <laughs> he's that's already he's already coming. They they announced that we could open on the twelfth of April, and then um, I was only a couple of weeks ago that BT announced that they put a Brighton game on on the same yeah. night. But obviously, I don't have TVs in the garden or Sky. But oh yeah, it's coming. They're all Brighton fans, so it's a, I think it's going to be a case of people sitting around with iPads because they want to be in. Yeah. The- and not miss the game so it's gonna that's be a- true god that's a bit annoying isn't it actually yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, you have got a screen but that's in inside the pub isn't yeah, it? Yeah. which no one yeah. yeah pubs are allowed to open but you're not allowed inside them so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> complex series of mirrors maybe <laughs> uh no but i mean it's really great to hear that things are gradually going to find their way back to normal yeah. by the looks of it which is which is good to, to see if anybody i mean i know you've, you've probably got bookings in the first few weeks anyway, haven't you? Because of limited space and lots of support behind you. But for people that do want to check out the Caxton, is uh, there a website you can give us to Caxton point people towards? Caxton.co.uk. Caxtonarms.co.uk. Yeah. That's it. Okay, excellent. You can book tables on there. And you can, I should update it with the new menu and new pictures. That's on my yeah. this week. So, yeah, I cannot wait. It's been so long. <laughs> 
Yeah, I bet, I bet. And it's been your dream, hasn't it, to do this from yeah. uh, as a job. So and it was you going must have... really well until it all got yeah. taken away. But I was going to say, you, you must have thought, I can't believe there, it. Like, having, having been there a number of times, it's kind of, it's the food and drink is amazing. So yeah. definitely uh, check out the Caxton Arms if you're uh, in the area, or even if you're not, just head down there specifically. <laughs> Yeah, no, you guys have been so supportive and like welcoming me back to do this as well. I can't. Oh, no, glad to have you on. Yeah. yeah. It's been good. That, and hopefully it'll be, when we are meeting back up, it'll still be definitely Premier League um, bound <laughs> a chat that we'll be talking about, whether we're um, at the tail end of this season, which seems a bit yeah. too soon, but um, but for, certainly for next year. Um, in the meantime, Brett, thank you very much for joining us. And um, we'll finish in the usual way, Peter, by saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.